0: Hello and welcome to this Ockley Books podcast. My name's Chris Knee, and for the next six weeks I'll be talking to Daniel Storey, the author of Portrait of an Icon, about six of the football figures talked about in the book. Portrait of an Icon will be available to buy soon from ockleybooks.co.uk. So I'll introduce Dan and ask him to tell us a bit about Portrait of an Icon, its origins, and the book's connection with the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. Hello Dan.
1: Hi there, you right.
0: Very well, thank you. Good. What's, what's the story here? What are we doing?
1: So Portrait of an Icon started as just an idea on a website um, editor, Sarah Winterburn, and I on Football365. were thinking of feature ideas that we thought could be both sort of weekly and long running. Um, and we had this idea for me to write slightly sort of uh, wistful, shall we say, navel-gazing maybe pieces on some of the icons of the game. That's the writing style I am most comfortable with. Um started off with a few and then did the Sir Bobby Robson one and it was at that point that I included a link to the Bobby Robson Foundation uh, at the end of it and and yeah it, it sort of it snowballed from there. Uh, David Hartchick of Ockley Books got involved to say why don't we make this a book and because i have been paid to write them for the website I was uncomfortable making money out of the book so I thought the perfect natural partnership was between the book, Ockley and the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation.
0: Good cause as well.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, Very. For, for those that don't know, quickly that the Bobby Robson Foundation was founded in 2008 when when Bobby was diagnosed with cancer for the fifth and and sadly final time, and his oncologist needed to raise half a million in seven weeks for this new drugs trial centre. Bobby got involved, raised the money in seven weeks, committed to keeping the foundation o- uh, open after his after his passing, and and in September 2016 they they ticked over the 10 million pound mark. And it's still going strongly to this day. So it's basically finding or trying to find new ways to treat and beat cancer, which is, as you say, a great cause. Uh,
0: Every week for the next six weeks, Dan and I will be chatting about a different icon from the book. And for some, if not all of those podcasts, we'll also be joined by the man behind Ockley Books. that man's David Hartrick. Hi, Dave.
2: Hello, mate.
0: Um, You've picked a few of these chats to join in with. Mm. I think we'll probably get you involved in some of the others as well. Um, because you can talk football till the cows come home (laughs) like the two of us. This week's opener is a biggie, but the book's got a bunch of profiles we won't be zooming in on over the next month and a half. Uh, Who are the biggest that we're going to leave unspoiled for Dan's readers?
2: Well, we've got some extra profiles in there that haven't been on the website as well, of uh, various managers that the the sort of... It's quite difficult to define an icon, but we've gone for managers that have have sort of left an indelible mark in the game really mm. and players the the criteria for players throughout has been very similar so although we won't be covering him on a pod but we've talked about people like Eusebio and Bobby Moore and just those sort of the, the players that you look back on and they're literally the 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 pillars of the game They they stand for something they have that iconic moment um, often with someone like Van Basten, who, again, we're not going to talk about, he is a, a footballer who has more than one iconic moment. Um, but yeah, the six we've picked up, we've, we're very happy to uh, talk about. And obviously, this first one is a, is an absolute tap-in, really. Yeah,
0: six good ones. Let's get started with the first one for this week, then. We're kicking off this little run of with a man we've already mentioned, and that's Bobby Robson. Um, Dan, clearly Robson was uh, an incredibly popular player and especially manager. Uh, in certain pockets of English football and um, latterly kind of became very popular around the game more generally as well as he kind of became the, this, the elder statesman of, of the English game. Mm. What makes him so special in kind of the world of football as well as just Newcastle and Ipswich? I,
1: I think what I wanted to do with these is is uh, what I didn't want it to be is effectively just a Wikipedia page listing achievements and honours. So they had to have a personal interest story. And to me, Robson is the perfect embodiment of that because you're right, he achieved great things, both great good things as a player, great things as a manager, and as you say, a sort of elder statesman. But he also had this incredible connection with the places he, he lived and more than anything, the Northeast. Um, he was a trailblazer abroad as a manager. Um, And he was also part of of Italia 90, a huge part of Italia 90, which was an incredibly iconic tournament for English football. Um, He managed plenty of players in the book, Ronaldo, Lineker, Shearer, Gascoigne, those type of players. Um, But yes, it's more about his his statesman element and his personality, actually. When do you think that elder
0: statesman side of things came to the because it was uh, you know England was one thing and then through the uh, through the nineties he was managing elsewhere and then came back to Newcastle mm. and we'll probably come on to it a little bit later but Newcastle wasn't always a bed of roses for him. No. When did he take on the kind of father of the game spirit?
1: I think it probably only really hit home to English football when he came back. Actually, when he when he left England, he he famously said, "This is goodbye, I, maybe not farewell, but goodbye." Which then became the title of his autobiography. And he he went abroad after England. He achieved pretty good things for, a, for an English manager abroad, more than other plenty of others have, and certainly since. Um, but it was very much when he came back, because English football had changed when he came back. He'd been away 14 years, and English football had had, had very much progressed in terms of the, the corporate nature of the game. But Robson was the same. He was still the man that had left in in 90. He was still the decent man. And I think the change in English football compared with the lack of change in Robson, and I mean that as a a huge compliment, absolutely stood out. Um, The other thing I'd mention is, and it's a slightly strange way of looking at his illness, but five battles with cancer and it eventually taking his life in a very high-profile manner, that kind of made people step back and realise this is a guy that was treated very harshly by the media, certainly when he was doing an England job, actually there's a human side to these people. It's not They're not just football managers, they're people. And, and with Robson, maybe more than any other manager, that really hit home at that time, I think.
2: The treatment he got in that England job, I think is just worth touching on, to be honest with you, because I am old enough to remember Barbecue Beef Monster Munch the first time round, which means I'm old enough to remember the treatment he got in the 80s. And the turning point was... The the England manager's job was a was a position of huge respect, and we went to Euro '88 as joint favourites to win the tournament. Um, if you watch any of the coverage, which is still available on YouTube, a lot of the build up to the first Island game, there was an assumption that we should be looking at and thinking about who we're going to play in the semi finals, and we went, and for various reasons, we were absolutely wretched. Um, shouldn't have played Gary Lineker, who was who was ill. We had. We were trying to. It, there was a squad on the, the cusp of needing to be turned over age wise. And what the newspapers realised after that is if you kick the England manager, you sell papers. And I'm talking about on the front and the back page. And for two years, there was pretty much a sustained campaign around the England team that eventually zeroed in on Bobby before the World Cup in 1990. And it was horrific. There was. Some of it was just outright lies. Some of it was that extrapolation of a single sentence in a half-hour press conference. It was terrible. And he, throughout, I think that lack of change you talk about, the dignity he carried with himself throughout that, there was only really one occasion, one press conference before the World Cup when the story about the the hostess that had allegedly uh, had an affair with various people in the England team that was completely fabricated by all accounts, that he actually lost it. He'd reached Mm. his breaking point. And even after the first game at Italian ninety, he was getting absolute pelters. But he carried himself with such dignity, such grace in that you look at a modern manager type, I say in inverted commas, like a Mourinho or a Wenger, they would not have put up with that. They would not have reacted in the way they did. And what he always maintained was that he was in the most important job in the country. And I just wonder... Now, if we still think like that about the England manager, I don't think we do. No, I
0: we'll stick with England for a minute. I want to go back to management at Ipswich briefly after that, but I think it's worth urging people listening to go back and read about his playing career mm. as well. Certainly, yeah. from you know his, his connection to the um, the famous Hungary game, mm. which which you know shaped him as a player and a manager. Um, so, he himself wrote um, really very well about his playing career so I I'd, I'd say go and read Bobby's words about that um and we'll come back to it Ipswich and early management but Dave that resignation that you've mentioned hmm. the response to that in the immediate aftermath of the announcement just about summed up that media approach to to Robson didn't it
2: yeah it did it did and you know there was you 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 shouldn't laugh about it now but you you think think about now a tabloid newspaper England go away for a friendly that is nothing other than to make money for the FA in Saudi Arabia. They get a 1-1 draw in a game played at the midday sun in Saudi Arabia. It's a nothing game. Next day, the headline of a tabloid newspaper is, For the Love of Allah, Please Go. You know, that is just extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. And when he resigned, there's there's a, a story that he's written about that one of his chief detractors in the press actually came up to him in a laundry room in England's hotel afterwards and said, I just want you to know all of this has been a circulation war. It's never been anything personal, Bobby, and shook his hand. And a month later, Bobby paid for him to come out to Holland and sat and had a meal with him that evening. And he's, I believe he bought his wife as well. And they sat and chatted for hours. And that, again, it's a mark of the man in the face of that. It's just incredible character and incredible dignity.
0: Dan, let's talk about how Robson earned the England job. So mm-hmm. He went into management, took the Ipswich job, yep. and for all that came later, that was a bit special, wasn't it? The, the results and success that he delivered there was a redefinition of what Ipswich Town was at the time.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was nine top six finishes in 10 years. FA um, Cup. FA Cup, UEFA Cup, 81, FA Cup, 78. It was that provincial town club doing brilliant things. And actually, Robson gets overlooked for that era because of, of Brian Clough, I think, for his achievements at Derby and Nottingham Forest. And of course, Aston Villa and Liverpool were doing great things in the European Cup at that point. So I think there's a danger of overlooking Robson's success at Ipswich. But what Robson found as he regained at Newcastle is the power of his personality as an infectious you know, as an inf- it is an infection around for players, staff, fans, everyone bought into what was Bran Robson, this you know very genuine person wanting to achieve big things, and that's exactly what he did at Ipswich. And for all his initial struggles in the England job. It wasn't a job he fell into, it was a job he earned, very much mm. so. That cannot be said of, perhaps, of other England managers down the line, but it certainly can be said of Robson.
0: Mm. And it's worth pointing out that those teams that were doing well in the European Cup, oftentimes the team pushing them in the league was Ipswich. Yeah, they
1: finished second. They they didn't they didn't win their second ever league title, which I'm sure Robson, looking back, would have considered a, a shame. But 82 was, exactly, was there for them. Exactly, exactly. But... Mm. The consistency of those top six finishes for a club like Ipswich is sensational.
2: They also played some absolutely terrific stuff. If you ever get a chance to have a little YouTube and watch back, some absolutely cracking football. But ahead of its time, I would argue, at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Answer from each of you. Success as England manager?
2: For me, Clive, (laughs) uh, for me, yeah. Uh, I think... You can't underestimate that circulation war he got caught in and how, how in a very literal sense, a good result would be spun. 90 minutes of football would be spun when England had won, that it was still not enough. So I, I think, listen, World Cup semi-final, to be perfectly honest with you, you cannot argue with that. But I would go further back. 86, he made a mistake in that first half against Argentina, but he bought Barnes on in the second half change the game, another ten minutes we would have equalised there and and who knows. Mm. I'm I, you know you can talk about being cheated out by the maradona handball but we got that first we got that first hour very, very wrong, but that last half an hour, if we as I said ten, fifteen minutes more of that get like that and we would have had an equaliser and, and who knows, could have been talking about two semi-finals, possibly more.
1: I think for me the the success in these English job was not just Italian 90, but generally It's very unusual for an England manager once they have got on that media slide of being picked at and picked at and picked at, it becomes self-fulfilling, usually. Mm -hmm. The thing that Robson did, which is very unusual, is that he went from that nadir and went back up. That very rarely happens with England managers. Quite often you have a peak and then the trough comes and you end at the bottom. Robson, very unusual, went down and almost all the way back up.
0: And he owned his departure as well, didn't he? Yes. He he announced almost on the eve of Italian identity mm. that he was was heading off and where he was going was European football. Mm. Um, and give or take a bit of time at Sporting in between success at PSV and Porto is uh, not to be sniffed at, Dan. He did no, very well in Europe for, for a yeah, manager.
1: Two league titles at PSV, two league titles at Porto, wonderfully known as Bobby 5-0 at Porto due to the number of 5-0 wins um, and successful at, at Barcelona. Didn't win La Liga, but won the Cup Winners' Cup Bought Ronaldo, named European club manager of the season that season. Um, But the one point, slight point, I wanted. it's actually not a slight point, it's a very important point. That second season at Porto, 95-96, Bobby Robson had cancer at the start of that season. He missed the first three or four months of the season. And yet he came back. The team went on without him because they wanted to do in tribute to him. He came back, he then carried, he won the league and then got the Barcelona job on the back of that. This is a man going through huge personal crises. And yet he remained true. And one thing that every club says about him is 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 that lasting legacy, is that when Bobby's left, when Bobby's you know, when Bobby's overseen something, it stays with you. Yeah. And Porto especially, they still talk about well, him it now in that sense.
2: It, Barcelona as well is yeah. incredibly well thought of, not necessarily for what he did in the dugout, but for when he moved, took the step back from there, the step upstairs. They was he was sort of involved in so many players careers mm. so many iconic players careers as well mm. it's it's incredible
0: connected to those two two points there was a it, he's a character behind the manager as well and we can sit here talking football achievements like that list of honors that you, mm. you mentioned at the very beginning um and the, the players that he played with as well and one of my favorite clips of him and you know, I know Dave. You watch a lot of old Bobby Robson clips now and again. Now and then, is it, trying to kind of sitting in the sun, probably in his garden, while he was at Barcelona, trying to explain to an English cameraman and an interviewer yeah. that he was going from from Ronaldo to Rivaldo, yeah, and over pronouncing both names just to make sure that we all <laughs> understood that these were two different men with Brazilian names, yeah. And that character kind of went through his his whole career, and I think probably the point at which we were sending cameras to go and chat to him looking very happy in his garden might have been the beginning of what was yeah. to, to follow once he came back um barcelona was a big job a few trophies no no title but um that's a pinnacle very few english managers reach isn't it At mm. uh, that mm. top european club level
2: yeah and he again I, you know, we're, we're repeating ourselves a bit, but he had completely earned that at that point. And he went there, and as I said, he's incredibly well thought of. And he had a hand in, you know, bringing Mourinho in his very fledgling years yeah. through. And he... I think the thing is, you have to understand that Bobby Robson didn't just employ Mourinho. He saw something in him, and he had Mourinho taking some training sessions, which, for a translator... Means that Bobby knew right from the word go. Hang on a sec, this is something different. And I think going back to something you were saying, bringing Ronaldo over. These aren't. This isn't the days of YouTube. This isn't the days of a six-second vine. We all knew who Neymar was in his first season long before he had even troubled a Barcelona transfer bid. These weren't those days. And Bobby was not only sort of instrumental in in managing that character, but again, these huge players who've played for huge clubs under huge people, you will not find them genuinely with a bad word to say about Robson. And the thing that comes over is they're all grateful. It's not just, oh, he changed the way I played. They're just, re- they're, there's a debt of gratitude there. And I think, again, it just, all of these things just build to the same thing. And that's just talking to the character of the man. Was it 99 that he came back?
1: To yeah, Newcastle? September 99. Yeah. Kind of the mother of all
0: homecomings, really. And mm. it, it, from the outside, not knowing too much about the connection with Newcastle as a youngster, it didn't necessarily hit home. But when you read about his early life mm-hmm. and the pride that he has for that part of the world, and then look back at him coming yeah. back, you, you get a feeling for how intense that was. And I yeah. think over the, the, the years that he was back there, you could tell. Yeah, he. That was part of his makeup as well. And uh, Newcastle have seen a few of those types, but Robson was a bit special, even against you know Keegan Shearer that kind
1: of. Oh yeah, it was Shearer squared. I mean, my family are all from the northeast, and it's very much like Brian Clough is in Nottingham, in that everyone's got everyone's got a Bobby Robson story. You know, whether it's meeting him at Ramside Golf Club where he's having used to have lunch weekly, whether it's seeing him in town because he took time to speak to people. Everyone considers him in a non-sugary, cliched way as An extended family member in the northeast because that's how much time he had for people, and it wasn't all plain sailing at Newcastle, particularly towards the end. Um, but Robson considered it a huge, huge honor, um, to manage in the northeast. And, and he's he said, you know, he's a sir, but he said that the freedom of the city of Newcastle yeah. is the thing that will always be his greatest honor. Always,
2: I, I think the other thing about that job is health wise. I don't think there's any other job in world football he would have taken. No, 66 I, he, 66 when took he he would have retired but he I remember him saying it was the it was the the question he couldn't say no to mm. it was the job he couldn't turn down. And again it's character again isn't it? He was he he had a long long battle with cancer. This yeah. was this was an ongoing thing and as I said I don't think there's any other club in world football he would have come back to. And I think We'll go on to a little bit of his treatment perhaps next, but in Newcastle fans' eyes, forevermore, he will never be able to have done anything wrong. And I think that's entirely right.
0: Yeah. What did he do right? It wasn't a a barren period, was it? No, no, no.
1: He finished... Well, he he started by winning his first home game, 8-0, against Sheffield Wednesday. He finished fourth in his second full season, I think, then third Champions League qualification, then fifth in a semi-final in the UEFA Cup. These were good years at Newcastle. But there was a feeling, and he wasn't blameless in that, that something was coming to an end. Unfortunately, it then appeared that it was Bobby's health that was going to hold him back. But he was mistreated by Newcastle. They they lowballed him on his initial contract offer. He eventually negotiated high, but they lowballed him. Um, in his autobiography accuses the club of going behind his back on contract negotiations and transfers and accuses them of of ignoring the youth system in the training ground and actually soon as he took over from him he then blamed all those things he blamed the club for those and demanded improvements but Bobby had spotted those there was a sense that they were the club was slightly taking advantage of his um, of his love for the area basically Uh, and Newcastle fans Will they might forgive their club for that, but they won't ever forget the way he was treated by certain members? Freddie Shepherd, the owner for one. Yeah,
0: mm. um, the, there were tragically few years between his departure from Newcastle United and, and him passing away, but when he did, mm. um, I remember that was uh, was it on a Saturday? It was probably on a Friday, and then the Saturday was. Was the next football day, and Mm. just having the TV coverage on all day was was a pretty sort of remarkable experience. Mm. And in the evening, I think it was ITV showed a tribute in pretty short order, Um, and the list of people who fell over themselves to pay tribute to him was just extraordinary. Yeah, you know those players, and it was all the England players. Mm. But then you have Mourinho, who was at the time was you know couldn't be more the flavour of the month. Yeah, and Ronaldo. Big, main, iconic yeah. players in their own right just popping up on ITV. There's a, about, there's
1: like a great quote copy. from um, from Alex Ferguson when he says that his character was hewn out of the coalface of the northeast. Um And Bobby Robson himself says, there's a great quote, I don't know exactly, so I apologise, but he talks about being a child and seeing people come down, go down the pit white and coming back black with soot. And in an area where those two colours are very much the life and soul of the city, he just remembers thinking, well, if I can serve these people, that's exactly what I want to do. And it, it's very unusual to have a man with that much success who still not just remembers that he's doing it for the people, but that absolutely epitomises why he's doing it. Yeah, It's very, very unusual because success changes people um, and no, nobody's blamed for success changing them. Whereas with Robson, it, it absolutely didn't. He stood out because it didn't. So, yeah, I mean, the tributes, as you say, Ronaldo said he was the greatest coach. He played under Mourinho... Ferguson, everybody was falling over themselves because why wouldn't you, quite frankly?
2: Yeah, and I I think it's interesting the word you use there where with Robson, he always believed he was in the job to serve the football club, serve the fans and serve football itself. And I think there are managers we can point to in the modern game who believe that the job is there to serve themselves and their aspirations. Mm. And I think that is... Quite a clear line in the sand between Bobby Robson and several others, mm. and that way he—I mean—he very much was, particularly at Newcastle, he was
1: anachronism. He was a very old-school person and football manager, and it is sad how the game changed around him. It, mm. It's it, incredibly sad, and, and Robson was that sort of port in the storm mm. of that constant tumultuous change in English football. He was that rock. Um, so when he you know when he passed away it's not just a throwaway line, line to say that a part of English football died with him it's not a throwaway line it's, it's absolutely accurate yeah.
0: and we'll draw our line in the sand there as well so uh, there we have it Bobby Robson truly an icon of the game I don't think there's any question about that and certainly a worthy starting point for our little deep dive into Portrait of an Icon thank you both no problem No problem. Portrait of an Icon will be available to buy soon from Uk. the music is by WAVE